Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. And we're so glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good to be back with you, Jim, but I have to say it was a fantastic week of vacation. Thanks to Chad Benson and our fantastic production team for uh, filling in while I was away. I understand there was some significant news while I was gone, which we will talk about again in our uh, our, our first couple of martinis here. But uh, as I believe uh, you guys informed the listeners last week, uh, we were off at Disney, which was, I have to say, and this is, you know, it was certainly classified information at the time. I think I can declassify it now. And that's that I was, of course, on a secret inspection mission of Disney CTU just to make sure that everything we were saying about them glowingly was true. And I have to say that it is, uh, Jim, layer after layer. It's very subtle, uh, the security at Disney. You know, it's not like Winnie the Pooh and the princesses are going to tackle people down Main Street there. But uh, they are everywhere. <laughs> They're watching you every step of the way, which is probably why they could figure out that the uh, Orlando shooter was uh, uh, casing the joint back in 2016. Uh, I have to say a number of things about this trip real quickly before we get into the news of the day. Uh, first of all, again, glad to know that Disney CTU is alive and well. Uh, also, in Florida, you hear people talk about the fact that the pandemic's over in Florida. It's totally over. It's like it's not even there. And we, of course, were blessed by the fact that Disney removed its mask mandate the week before we got there. And so it definitely felt more that way there. But everywhere you went in Florida, it's there, there was no signs on the door. There was nothing anywhere that suggested there was anything out of the ordinary uh, in terms of uh, a pandemic. I love the family atmosphere at Disney. We did not do the matching T-shirts, which I'm extremely happy about. Uh, but my favorite one was uh, the dad T-shirts that a few of them had said, let's get matching Disney T-shirts, said no dad ever. Uh <laughs> But uh, but it was it was really great to see the family atmosphere there. You had a ton of grandparents there who were also along for the ride, sometimes literally on their scooters or wheelchairs, just really uh, wanting to be there to watch their grandkids. Uh, absolutely uh, enjoying it. Uh, my wife's parents were there. Thankfully, they're able to get along and get around well. Uh, but uh, the the effort that they put into to provide a great experience is uh, one I'm very grateful for as well. Uh, Jim, I will say a, a couple of things. Also, uh, it was good to have the escape from reality uh, while you're at Disney and not know, even though in the back of your mind you know there's a war going on halfway around the world. Uh, Disney is extraordinarily expensive, but I will say if you're planning to go to Disney, get the Genie Pass. This is something that will cost you, at least right now, $15 per person per day extra, but it gets you in what they call the lightning lane for up to five or six rides per day. So unless you want to save a little bit of money and stand in line all day, I highly suggest uh, getting that. And the last thing I'll say, Jim, since we drove on this trip and we were in five different states, President Biden, Pete Buttigieg, I know you've got the transportation bill passed. I'd like you to put at least half of it into fixing the roads in South Carolina. By far the worst, <laughs> the worst roads uh, between here and there. First of all, Greg, welcome back. It is great to have you back, and I'm glad to see that Disney is a safe, fun, and secure location. You haven't mentioned whether Disney cracks those who they capture and who they need to get information out of by putting them on the it's a small world after all line ride over and over again <laughs> until they finally, okay, admit it, I'll confess it. This is where the bomb is. Um, 
Also, but your your observation about Florida and masks and the sense of the pandemic being over, uh, we hadn't, hadn't had a chance to talk. The previous weekend, I was in uh, Austin, Texas. And yes, you know, help that the weather was terrific and everybody was out and it was the kind of environment where you want to eat outside because it's nice out. You're not eating outside because uh, you don't want you to feel comfortable on the inside. But man, oh, man. Um, yeah, it's just nice to be in a southern state where just people feel laid back and relaxed and nobody's going to get in your face if you're, you know, you're not wearing a mask or something like that. And uh, yes, uh, my understanding, by the way, from according to secret sources named Dad, uh, <laughs> are that the condition of Interstate 95 going through South Carolina, the condition of the road greatly relates to which member of the state legislature uh, represents that particular stretch of road. And that's where the road resources get allocated and things like that. So. Hopefully it wasn't too bad as you're getting near help with that. No, it wasn't too bad down there, but there literally were times, you know, you're not supposed to be in the left lane unless you're passing. Uh, there were times I had to be in the left lane because I was going to lose a tire. So uh, oh. if I was going to stay in the right lane and that's that's not a good thing. Uh, so largely a positive experience about Disney. I will say their prices are insane. Watching your kids who have uh, saved their money to buy things at Disney because buying it there is, is special to them, of course, and knowing that they could have gotten it for half price or better at Walmart or Target is infuriating, but you can't really yell at the cashier because it's not their fault what the prices are, but uh, uh, not a lot of fun to watch the, the kid spend more money than they have to. But anyway. Disney was expensive before inflation. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. For sure, for sure. We also went to uh, Animal Kingdom, so uh, fantastic vacation. Uh, I highly encourage uh, folks to do that, but uh, a couple of tips uh, there for you as well. All right, Jim, let's talk about our good martini. It's, uh, as you said uh, in our email exchange this morning, kind of a grab bag uh, of good news. Uh, the EU, for the first time ever, is providing weapons uh, to a nation, obviously this nation being Ukraine. Sweden, for heaven's sake, is offering military aid. The Germans, who you were pretty critical of last week for their uh, dragging their feet on SWIFT and other things, uh, seem to be getting their act together on that as well as beefing up their own defense forces. We're even seeing news this morning that the Swiss, the Swiss stayed out of World War II, for heaven's sake, uh, with, with no position whatsoever. Uh, but this time, they're saying it's very probable that uh, Switzerland will follow the EU on Monday in sanctioning Russia and freezing Russian assets, even in that country. Uh, and as you pointed out today, the Russians didn't even bother to open their markets because they had a pretty good idea that things were not going to go well. Uh, world opinion seems to be trending very strongly against the Russians to the point where even the Chinese are sanctioning Russian oil trade. So this was supposed to be the big, impressive, new evil alliance. So uh, Putin seems to be more and more on an island every day. Yeah, if you're looking for good news today, it's that almost every objective that Vladimir Putin had going into this conflict has been undermined by the decision to invade Ukraine. Uh, NATO is more unified. The Germans are rearming themselves again. I, I, I don't want to sound like a complainer who always finds the dark side of everything. Greg, it does feel odd to say, yay, the Germans are arming themselves again. <laughs> That's never gone badly for us. But uh, yes, I think it is a good, a good sign that a lot of NATO countries are now realizing that this uh, threat from Russia that has been talked about really since the end of the Cold War uh, did not go away completely and that they do need to have sufficient defense expenditures to, if not just defend their territories, ideally contribute to a useful alliance and provide a deterrent effect. And I think the other thing I should, you know, kind of the, the focus of the morning jolt today, you and I were... Uh, more than a little bit frustrated by the way the Biden administration was handling this. It certainly looked like the threats of sanctions, they did nothing to really deter Vladimir Putin, 
I kind of am left wondering if we had done some of this stuff beforehand, whether that might have forced his recalculations. Others argue that if we had done it, uh, Putin would have claimed that as a pretext for, pretext for an invasion that he seemed pretty determined to enact uh, from the beginning. But as of this morning, as I was, I ordinarily would say when the markets open, but in Moscow, the stock markets did not open because they realized that they were going to crash like a stone. The ruble is now almost worthless. At one point, it was uh, less than one ruble per penny. I think it rebounded to like, you know, um, uh, 1.2 or 1.3 pennies per ruble, something like that. It is, um, the, the Russian economy is in free fall and you can just see it hour by hour this morning. It's really kind of stunning to see how fast this has really affected all kinds of this. They're talking about bank collapses. Russians already this weekend were uh, already having credit card payments denied and running to the ATMs and going to try to withdraw their money from the banks. Um, we've had, you know, I, I got to say, I was for a long time, I was complaining about these swift and severe sanctions that the Biden administration was talking about, did not seem all that swift, did not seem all that severe. You can, you know, mark it. February 28th is when they really started to feel it. And boy, did it pack a punch. Uh, in fact, it may have some, it may be working a little too effectively, which we'll talk about in our uh, next martini. So on that front, that's good. Uh, as, as of this recording, Russia has not seized any cities. Uh, there are Russian troops in some of those cities, so they are contested. Uh, weapons supplies are reportedly still working in there. I think one of the most intriguing announcements of the weekend is the claim that certain EU and NATO countries are, are basically asking the what's left of the Ukrainian Air Force, what do you need? What kind of planes can your pilots fly? And we're going to see if there's a way if we can get that to you. And apparently, there's, you know, because air bases make for very uh, relatively easy targets, they can't really move around. They're, they're, you know where they are. Uh, the planes need long runways to operate, and you can you know blow those up pretty easily. Hangars, things like that. Um, apparently, there are some reports that they've been flying out off roads, basically trying to use roads and highways and things like that as runways. So. Uh, it's a question, but as of now, Russia does not have complete, complete control of the skies, and it's been going on for several days now. So that's another sign that Russia, uh, the Ukrainian resistance has been strong and hard. And, uh, you know, there, I think there's some evidence Russia has bitten off a lot more than it could chew. There's bad news, and we'll talk about that in the next martini. But uh, as of this hour, you know, hope is still alive. No, that's exactly right. Uh, Ukraine is defying expectations at this point, and Russia is not living up to them, which might make this Chinese-Russia alliance one of the shortest evil buddy cop movies of all time, because China's looking, probably wondering what they got themselves into at this point. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we can keep this going, because this is clearly not where Vladimir Putin thought he would be just a, a week ago. All right. Uh, before we move on to the less good news about Ukraine, uh, let's talk about some very good news. And that is the fact that Jim gets the opportunity to assess all this good news and bad news from the comfort of the X chair. From the first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately said, ah, so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I never actually looked forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair. Now, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can do that too. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel the customized support of the X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair. Now I can't wait to be at work. 
And sometimes, even if I'm not working, I just sit in my X chair just to get that feeling. Take my advice, try the X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back, I promise. Go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. XChairMartini.com. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now. And once again, it's kind of a grab bag of things that aren't going uh, so well, or at least are very concerning about the situation between Russia and Ukraine right now. First of all, over the weekend, uh, Vladimir Putin uh, put his nuclear arsenal on alert, which is the step right before actually launching one potentially. Could just be saber rattling. Hopefully it is. But uh, you got a lot of folks out there saying he's uh, far less predictable and not in a good way. Uh, than he was just a, a number of uh, years ago. And so who knows exactly what he has in mind. You also alluded in the previous martini to the fact that uh, these sanctions could crush the Russian economy so far uh, that it could lead to him doing very desperate things. And finally, we could have another entrant onto the battlefield here. This is from CNN. Ukrainian intelligence telling CNN that Belarus uh, may be ready to participate directly in the invasion of Ukraine, in addition to allowing Russians to use their territory, as well as letting them cross the border into Ukraine from Belarus, which I'm pretty sure they've already done. A second source close to the Ukrainian government told CNN that in addition to the Ukrainian intelligence, the Biden administration has also conveyed to the Ukrainian government that Belarus is preparing to join the Russian invasion. Uh, I think there's also some talk of hundreds of Russian mercenaries that have been redeployed to already inside Ukraine with a specific kill list, including President Zelensky. So, Jim, while there are things that are definitely going better than we expected uh, several days ago, there's still some major concerns here. Indeed. And, uh, you know, I suppose I can go in, in ascending order. Um, it sounds like, at least from the perspective of the U.S., it's not clear how uh, significant this Belarusian contribution is going to be. Obviously, Belarus has already given Russian forces access to their territories to descend down from the north towards Kiev. Um, I've heard some folks speculating that the Belarusian military is not really uh, one of the top tier forces of Europe and probably wouldn't be a dramatic game changer. But it's still more guys on the battlefield um, and you know, certainly not good news for the Ukrainian forces. The, the point that, that kind of the, the flip side of the coin, no pun intended, of what I was talking about with the economic sanctions in our previous martini is th the good news is like, wow, we are really hitting the Russian economy really, really hard. I do wonder, though, at some point, is it is it conceivable we're hitting them too hard because, you know, this is not just going to affect Putin, which I'm glad to say this case. It's not just going to affect the uh, oligarchs and all of the high ranking senior officials in the Russian state. This is going to affect the average Russian really badly, really fast. You're going to see people, you know, impoverished very, very quickly because of this. Uh, as I said, banks collapsing, uh, savings evaporating overnight, uh, inflation, which was already bad, is going to get much, much bad. Getting a loan is going to be much, much harder. You add all this up. This is an enormous amount of economic devastation being inflicted upon them deliberately, uh, really, really quickly. And my hope is that the Russian people blame this on Vladimir Putin and say, what is he doing? He's steering our country into a disaster. Um, you know, Putin, stop it. You see some sort of uprising or some sort of effort to pressure him, uh, either from the oligarchs or from the people in the streets. 
but I don't think that's a guarantee. And I don't, it's, it's not inconceivable that the average Russian looks at all this and blames the rest of the world, blames NATO, blames the US, blames EU. And, you know, that we, we've, we, we've seen this sort of movie before, World War One. you know, we, we, on the one hand, it was completely understandable that the Allied powers wanted to punish Germany for starting the war, but the, uh, the effort to humiliate Germany, the effort to really rub their noses in it, ended up in a situation where Germans were stewing in their own anger and resentment and humiliation. And within a few years, they returned to this guy with a, with a little mustache to say, hey, I can restore our national honor. I can make us proud again and strong again. And we all know how that turned out. So I, I don't want to say, I'm not saying don't hit Putin, don't hit the oligarchs. I'm glad to see all this. I'm just hoping that the aim here is to get Russia at a point where it is no longer a threat to its neighbors. And that I, you know, ideally the Russians believe that we have we have no desire to hurt them. We don't want to inflict it. We'd like to see everybody living in peace and prosperity. If we hit them too hard with this, I, I the longer these sanctions go on, the more I think some sort of um, uncontrollable variable is at work here. And I just don't know how the Russian people are going to react to that. So as be, I, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying be aware of that. And then the third aspect on. Uh, Putin escalating the uh, uh, level of nuclear forces alertness. Um, on the one hand, this is, uh, you're not seeing U.S. U.S. officials are not reacting in a panic. They're not acting like this is a dramatic step. Um, this is, they, they kind of see this as saber rattling. That having been said, uh, I, I was interested to read some about Russian military doctrine. It's not, not only does Russia not have a no first strike doctrine, uh, the idea that they would not be the first to use nuclear weapons. They're perfectly fine with being the first one to use nuclear weapons in a conflict. They believe that it is legitimate to use nuclear weapons in response to a critical situation in which the other side is using conventional weapons. In other words, if Russia feels like it's losing a war, it is perfectly okay with using what they call battlefield nukes. These are lower yield nukes, but let's face it. There aren't, if you're close enough to a nuclear weapon, there's no yield that's small enough to, to make you feel all that comfortable. Um, and the idea, on paper, Russia could say, oh, the war in Ukraine is going very badly. Well, we're going to use a tactical battlefield nuke to uh, you know, cut off, to, to de-escalate it by basically ending the fight really quickly. I don't think Russia is going to do that. I don't think, I feel, if, if God forbid Putin does give that order, I hope either it's disobeyed or somebody behind Putin gives him the traditional Russian uh, resignation ceremony uh, in which he is shot in the head and they move on to the next guy. But I, I, you know, you there's a whole bunch of oh, they would never do that, which isn't as clear as it was a week ago. What is unthinkable in the mind of Vladimir Putin is not clear right now, and I think that's really unnerving. I don't want to panic anybody, but I just want to state the degree to which we are in um, uncharted territory. It, it is just not clear. We haven't really been in a situation like this, so it's not a perfect parallel to World War One. It's not a perfect parallel to the Cold War we're kind of in this weird hybrid situation that is a large, ugly land war in Europe. And it's anybody's guess as to what it would take to get Russia to cease hostilities. Yeah, we've never seen Putin in this position. You're right, where he's humiliated and his swagger and his ego are clearly damaged. Um, you know, there's so many internet rumors going on about uh, dissension in the ranks and whether Putin you know, will stay in power. There's, I'm not going down that road at all. I think he's got a fairly firm grip on power, at least at this point. But uh, you're right. We have not seen him in a position where uh, he's trying to salvage his own reputation in addition to the mission itself. And so uh, what he will do to 
protect those things and and, and try to keep moving in the same direction, um, we don't know. And uh, hopefully he doesn't do anything uh, truly horrific like unleashing nukes. All right, Jim, let's move back to something that's good for just a moment, and that's the amazing deals you can get over at MyPillow.com. Uh, and who doesn't love a great deal at MyPillow? Right now, when you click on the My Listeners page and enter the promo code Martini at MyPillow.com, there are over 20 deals for you to choose from, including MyPillows as low as $19.98, slippers at 50% off, the MyPillow towel sets at their lowest price ever at $39.99, 60% off any Giza Dream Sheets with a price as low as $39.99. I have all those products, the pillows, the slippers, the towels, the sheets, all of them are very, very high quality, and you're going to get them now at a fantastic deal. And on top of that, if you use our promo code Martini, they'll throw in Mike Lindell's book for free. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the MyPillow brand sheets. They are made from the world's best cotton that is grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. These sheets are ultra soft and breathable. They are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable. And they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. You will find all these offers and more at MyPillow.com. So click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Martini at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104. Right now, every order using our promo code Martini, you'll receive Mike's new book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO for free. MyPillow.com, promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Don't forget the code Martini for the free book. All right, Jim, on to our crazy Martini now. And one of the things that is maddening about politics in general, but certainly about politics at a very high stakes moment, is how every single development is used, at least publicly, to reinforce your previously held position. Whatever happens. Yeah, this is exactly why we need to do what I've said we've needed to do on this issue all along. And that's where the Biden administration is. On energy, as a result of their cracking down on exploration on federal lands and canceling the Keystone Pipeline, among other moves, uh, you know, they basically want to scrub out fossil fuels in this country as quickly as possible, even though that's not really economically feasible at this point. Not to mention the fact that renewable energies are actually, in many cases, worse for the environment. But nonetheless, Jen Psaki being asked about, uh, hey, maybe more domestic energy production, energy independence would be a good thing on ABC's This Week program. And Jen Psaki says, oh, no, 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 just means we shouldn't be getting oil from Russia or anybody else either. On oil leases, what this actually justifies in President Biden's view is the fact that we need to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, on oil in general, and need to, and we need to look at other ways of process, of having energy in our country and others. One of the interesting things, George, we've seen over the last week or so is that a number of European countries are recognizing they need to reduce their own reliance on Russian oil. So, Jim, you had John Kerry last week, who's now the climate envoy, I think, uh, saying, yeah, it's terrible what Russia's doing to Ukraine, but, you know, it's also distracting us from the climate crisis. These people can't get off their talking points. And when it's obvious that energy independence would be a, another big uh, way of uh, isolating Vladimir Putin and helping our own economy, uh, they just can't see reality. Yeah, it, it's deeply frustrating because if the administration line wants to be, we want to continue investing in wind and solar fine but i think if you look at europe if you look at here in the united states wind and solar are not uh expanding and growing and being developed at a scale to fill the needs being taken by traditional coal-powered plants 
uh, or you know, we're seeing what's happening in Europe where they've decided to denuclearize, particularly in Germany, and putting themselves at much greater risk, you know, economic, uh, a much greater dependency upon Europe's and, and Russia's um, oil and natural gas supplies. Uh, if you know, th th I guess the idea is that well, you know, because of Greta Thunberg telling us we shouldn't pollute, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have all the pollution done over in Russia. And thus we can feel good about ourselves, even though we're still, you know, uh, you still using all of our electricity is still coming from oil and gas. And oh, by the way, we still have every bit as much energy demand as we did before. The pollution, carbon emissions are still occurring every bit as much before. But in the meantime, we're putting lots and lots of money in the hands of an autocrat who's entirely capable of invading his neighbors. Uh, yeah, this is this is blown up in our faces. This is not, you know, silly. If you want to say we're going to develop uh, solar and wind, fine. But you got to do solar and wind and at minimum, clean clean coal and natural gas i don't think you're gonna you know as much as you want to have electric cars you're not gonna get rid of gasoline powered cars anytime soon so we have shale we have ignore we, we're energy independent like two years ago somehow in the past year we ended up in, uh, importing tons of russian oil and natural gas and it just seems ridiculous we should be the world's energy supplier we should be undercutting russia and everybody in opec and venezuela and all of these you know uh abusive regimes left and right. We said, no, no, we are the ones, we've got the resources, we've got the ability, we've got the technology. We can be the guys and we're never gonna use this as a weapon against anybody else. We're never gonna use this to strong arm you. Unless you pull something like Russia, uh, we're, we're never gonna use it. We're perfectly happy to sell to everybody and we are reliable, we are stable. We are never gonna use this as a form of blackmail down the road. Um, ideally, that should be. Oh, by the way, this is good for U.S. prestige. This is good for U.S. leverage. This is good for U.S. for world stability. Uh, but no, no, no. Greta yelled at us. How dare we? So now we can't do this, Greg. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And you still have to plug the electric cars in. So that requires electricity. And guess what? That's being generated off of for the most part right now. Jim, good to be back with you. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Please tell your friends about us as well. Thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.